Ladies and gentlemen, this is Book Music. I'm your host, Tosh, and you are... Kimley. In each episode of Book Music, we discuss books on music, books by musicians, books regarding music history, and this music books. And today we're going to focus, or at least have a little chat, about a very specific type of book, the lyric book, or a book that published lyrics. And Kimley, we, why are we discussing book lyrics? Well, I think it's a pretty interesting type of book. I mean, you have to wonder why anybody would even want to purchase a collection of uh, books, a collection of lyrics, because you hear the lyrics when you're listening to the music and you think to yourself, well, does it stand on its own? What's the point of reading it? Um, and there are plenty of lyrics that I think they work really well with music, but don't necessarily work well just being read on their own. So I think it's a interesting thing to look at. And um, of course, you and I both love these kinds of books. I am addicted to them to and, a certain degree. Yeah. And you've you're a publisher I pub- of this kind of book. With my Tam Tam books, I publish In the Word of Sparks, In the Words of Sparks, Selected Lyrics. And um, the reason why I brought this project to Sparks, Ron Mel and Russell Mel, was because I always felt reading lyrics in a book is different from hearing a singer singing their song or a singer singing you know, lyrics or even reading lyrics on an album sleeve, like an inner album sleeve, which used to be the case and for a lot of artists. Um, but even on an album sleeve, I notice, and other people have noticed, that sometimes the lyrics are misprinted wrongly or, or yeah, usually it's not always correct, even though it's on their record label. Right. Did you know that? Yeah, I've, I've actually noticed that plenty of times. And many times people ask me, well, why do I have to buy a book of lyrics? I can just look it up on the internet. You know, there's websites that have lyrics. But often those lyrics are wrong as well. Yeah, and it's also, I mean, I also kind of consider these sort of fetish objects. I mean, it's you buy a book of somebody whose work you really, really admire. It's kind of precious. You know, you have it in a nice, usually they're hardback books. They are almost always sort of fetish objects. They are fetish objects, especially if you're a fan of that particular artist. Exactly. And you and you, um, you want something else besides just a record. And you want um, you want the poster, of course, to put on the wall in your bedroom, and of course you would want the eight by ten glossy photographs, autograph, <laughs> hand not hand autograph, but printed, and of course you want the lyric book. Absolutely. And um, so I did the Sparks lyric book, and when I first published it, a lot of Sparks fans came up to me like, "Why are you doing this? What's you know, what's the purpose?" Really, the Sparks fan were questioning it. Couple. And it's an interesting question because I think on the surface, like, well, I can get the answer on the internet or I can look at an album sleeve. But there's two things that make it unique about this particular, my book, mm-hmm. is one, it's definitely corrected and proved, proofed by Sparks themselves. And even more interesting, it's songs they selected. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. What was the selection process like? I tell them, you know, for like budget reasons, you can choose maybe like 75 to 80 songs if you choose to choose that many, and they did. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, they have like hundreds of songs. They yeah. And so what's interesting to me is their subjective choice of what they feel is an important lyric, or at least a lyric they'll look at on a, on a page or in a book. Right. 
And um, I think anybody who writes songs knows the importance of um, of how a lyric is performed or sung compared to how it looks on a page and stuff. I know, like, for instance, Jarvis Cocker of Pulp mm-hmm. um, usually have his lyrics printed on all his album covers with Pulp. Mm-hmm. But he usually have a little note saying, please do not follow this. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, don't follow my right. words and singing. Because he right. wants you, as an artist, he wants you to listen to the music and not you know, like follow the lyrics. Right. Like the bouncing ball. <laughs> well, it's interesting how different it is when you're reading it. Um, it was funny because I just finished reading the Kate Bush lyric book that mm-hmm. I bought recently, the one that just came out on Faber and Faber. And it reads so differently because of the way she sings her, you know, she really goes in crazy places vocally, mm-hmm. which makes the meaning so different from reading it on the page. Mm-hmm. So it's a completely different experience. So, and yeah. often, when I read lyrics, I often, if I know the melody, the melody does come up. When I read yeah, it's hard to avoid that. If it's a song you're really, really familiar mm-hmm. with, because I also recently read the Leo Reed collected lyrics, mm-hmm. and the Velvet Underground stuff I know so well. I mean, I've listened mm-hmm. to all of those albums literally hundreds of times. But some of the solo stuff I don't know as well. So the Velvet Underground stuff I could not read without the melody in my mm-hmm. head. It was impossible. Right. But the, the some of the stuff that I was less familiar with, I could just sort of read it more as a poem. Mm-hmm. It was very interesting. Yeah. Well, I just, want, I just want to point out that you mentioned the Kate Bush. Uh-huh. And as far as I know, Faber and Faber has done a series of lyric books. Yeah. And they all have pretty much the same format and the same design cover. Sort of no, no, not they're all designed. But right, but they're minimalist. They're very minimalist. Yeah. And, look, and it almost looks like sort of like um, classic poetry books from the 50s, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the poems of T.S. Eliot or, right. you know, or, you know, so it's very kind of classical and very kind of upscale and very kind yeah, of serious. Yeah, it's got a little fabric marker yeah. in it. <laughs> so the favorite, the favorite, favorite books, I, I have some of them, not everything. But the ones they have published so far is uh, Billy Bragg's "A Lover," "A Lover Sings," mm-hmm. which I've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jarvis Cocker, a pulp, uh, has a book called "Mother, Brother, Lover," mm. which I have. Yeah, I'd like to get that one. And uh, Scott Walker, "Sun Dog." Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, selected lyrics, and then your Kate Bush. Mm-hmm. Uh, how to be invisible lights? I mean, uh, how to be invisible lights? Where did I get that yeah. from? How to be invisible lights? You're light? embellishing. Yes. This is so, this, this, that's another reason why you need to have printed lyrics. Exactly. Because I hear things and are, are not there. Yeah, and we'll I have to discuss that. That's a good part. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, who, and they do one other person. Can you take a guess who it is? Uh, Morrissey. That seems kind of obvious. Yeah. It does he would seem fit obvious. in there, right? He would fit in that series for uh-huh, sure. Uh huh. There's a Nick Cave, but Penguin doesn't. Oh, uh, yeah. Book. I haven't read it. I but, did a little but. research looking at books, okay. and I did see the Nick Cave one. but Neil Tennant of the Pet Shop Boys. Really? He has a book called 100 Lyrics in a Poem, hmm. published by the Faber and Faber. Um, Interesting. Imprint. That's not somebody I would have thought of, but I'm not a Pet Shop Boys fan. I mean, I don't have feelings about them one way or well, the other. You just lost a great portion of our audience. I know, I know. <laughs> I have a lot of friends who are like huge Pet Shop yeah. Boys fans. Oh, boy. I usually just nod my head and yes, yes. Okay. I, I stroke my chin. I go, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so it's, a, it's all interesting. Um, <clears throat> the only one who plays with the format a little bit is Scott Walker because Sundog is not actually a song or not a published song or a song that he never recorded. So, mm-hmm. it's, so, it's a, so he added like um, additional 
pieces to this book that's not been recorded. So it's not everything is not like a famous, not famous, uh, recorded Scott Walker or Walker Brothers mm. song. Then um, what's interesting about these favor and favor, I always look to see who the editor is, and they don't really mention the editor. They have all introduction by usually authors. Usually not by yeah, another David song. Mitchell did the Kate Bush. Yeah, one. so it's really interesting. And uh, and I can't remember who did Scott Walker, but she's an Irish upcoming, not upcoming, she has like two novels. Mm-hmm. They would have to look it up. Mm-hmm. But she's a, from the literary world. Yeah. So usually something from the literary world yeah. commenting on this musician's or songwriter's lyrics. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So these books, are, I think, also, I'm going to presume that the person who edited these books are the songwriters themselves. I think, like, the way I approach Sparks, to say, choose, you know, a certain amount of songs. Yeah. I think Neil Tennant, Kate Bush, Scott Walker, Jarvis, and Billy Bragg probably did the same as well. Yeah, I think there's a little brief in, uh, intro by Kate Bush on the Kate Bush one, and it sounds like she... Well, I. I can't tell. It doesn't say it's complete, but it seems complete. I didn't sit and do a song by song, but it's not in like any particular order. It's not in chronological yeah. order. How, I mean, how, I'm thinking it's maybe thematic. I'm not really huh. sure what order it's in. But. Yeah, I think the Scott Walker is chronicle time-wise. I mm. think it's from something early and then you know, goes later. Yeah, the Lou Reed book was completely chronological. Mm-hmm. Right from the, you know, it started with the first Velvet yeah. Underground. Mike Sparks book isn't. Yeah, no, that's... It's totally... It's totally did uh, they choose the order, or did you? Um, i tell you the truth. I had a beginning and an ending. Mm-hmm. I had... I chose... Um, I can't... Um, the last song on, on the book is I Married Myself, and mm. the first song, our first piece, is uh, I've Fallen in Love Myself Again. Ah, that's good. And I suggested that, and they went off with that. That's the only thing I did editorial-wise. Oh, uh, that's nice. So everything in between is, is, is they totally... Chose they the chose order. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but I didn't want to do a chronicle. I didn't want to do something so academic. You know, I didn't want to do an academic Well, I guess or, especially if it's not complete... Um, you know, I it's interesting because I was looking at other lyric books like the Bob Dylan one's pretty well known, mm-hmm. um, and it's interesting. I didn't realize how many times it had been revised. Um, he updates it. Yeah, he updates mm-hmm. it, and it is um, very minimalist, very, and it's completely chronological. Uh-huh. But there's no other information in the book. It's just it's not lyrics. annotated. Or, not or, annotated. There isn't even an introduction or anything. Yeah, most of the books are not annotated because that's another somebody brought up to me. It's like, why aren't, why didn't you annotate these? Yeah, and that's actually a good, legit question. Yeah, um, but that's a completely different kind of book in my mind. It is, and I, again, I don't want to take like an academic approach to this yeah. work. You I mean, know, would I wanna... you get an annotated poetry book unless you were reading it for academic purposes? Yeah, and I feel like you know the songwriter themselves are not into it. You know, like I think a songwriter doesn't want to expose the secrets of their song. Absolutely, yeah. They want people to interpret it their own way. I'm sure that everything has multiple meanings, and um, that's part of the fun of art, is you just pick out what you like about it, any kind of art. And I never really want to know... I don't want to have an artist tell me what something means. Right. That's just not very interesting to me. I'm going to take away from it what I get from it, you know? Yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah. I feel the same way. And there's also, when I put my Sparks book, like on fan pages or, or websites, they're uh-huh. all saying, why did he not chose this song? This of course. Well, song. there's always that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are always going to do that. Yeah. That's unavoidable unless you did a complete book, which would have been a, you know, but again, I five kept, pound tome. But I kept emphasizing, this is their selection. Right. This is what they feel, not how you feel, the reader. Right. You know, you have to be sort of passive here. 
I mean, you can avoid the whole book if you want. <laughs> or you can take the lyric and insert it in the book. I mean, you can do that, I guess, <laughs> if you really if you feel that strongly about it. Yeah. But, I, I'm, but I'm thinking about like how editors choose what they feel is the best. I mean, there's always the common hits, of course. Right. But, you know, the, 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 this, the less selected songs are the more unknown obscure works that are well and more... people always have their sort of obscure favorite that you know they think everybody else should like and they're like why doesn't anybody else want you know this mm-hmm. song it's like well everybody has their own obscure song that they like so you know i think having sparks choose it themselves well two things solution. two two things inspired me to do the sparks book besides sparks themselves of course because i'm a huge sparks fan obviously mm-hmm. Uh, one is uh, there's a series of books that uh, Penguin Random House put out. Um, one is a Cole Porter selected lyrics, Ira Gershwin selected mm-hmm. lyrics, and they're all again they're sort of this uniform design, hard little hardcover books. Price sell for like sixteen dollars. Mm-hmm. And Richard, a guy named Richard um, Kimball, edits or chooses the lyrics for these particular books. I'm not sure he works for Penguin Random or he works for the estates of these people, mm-hmm. but he's totally one hundred percent associated with um, um, working at least the literary aspect I believe with um, the Gershwin estate or the or Gershwin songbook or the uh, Cole Porter songbook mm-hmm. uh, Lorenz Hart songbook uh, and Irving Berlin too I believe and um, so he put a series of these lyric books and I purchased some of them when they originally came out there were these oversized coffee table books yeah that's what I recall I don't know and, and it's like and those were complete yeah, those were great. They were great and complete. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you have to be like a, a total like f- fanatic or a lunatic. We want to read every Cole Porter. Mostly, I don't, I don't think people read it that way. It's right. in chronicle order. Each uh-huh. show they did, you know, all the songs were written for specific uh, Broadway shows right. or theater shows. And the books go into detail about the shows themselves, but it's mostly it's focused on the lyrics, but each contained in each um, show. And... Um, much I'm, I, I greatly admire those books, but later uh, Kimball did these sort of smaller editions of selected lyrics, not mm. completely selected. So these Penguin selected lyrics of Gershwin, Cole Porter, and he's done on Stephen Foster. Um, what else has he done here? He's done um, you know, the Cole Porter I mentioned. They're all like beautifully designed books. Mm. And um, the beautifully designed means very useful, it's very practical design, it's very right. Unitarian sort of things, nothing fancy. Mm-hmm. But it has very it has no introduction. It's just basically just the lyrics themselves. Yeah. And, I, and I was really impressed reading Cole Porter and Gershwin and others. It's like poetry. Yeah. Meaning that I'm reading something on a page, and I don't know every Cole Porter song or every Gershwin song, so I'm reading it as literature. And that was I found really interesting that Cole Porter and Gershwin, as well as Scott Walker and Kate and I presume yeah. Kate Bush. Uh-huh. And Jarvis Cocker are very literate writers. I mean, they, their their writing holds up on a page, yeah. as well as Ron Mel and Russell Mel. Mm-hmm. So that inspired me to do a book of Sparks. I figured, you know, they're they're incredible writers. The other thing that inspired me was my wife Luna Menno, because she was learning uh, English as a second language, and she wanted to study Sparks songs. <laughs> so she actually went on the internet and other places and made her own like zine book to study Sparks books. You know, That's my Sparks great. lyrics. I love it. So when she showed it to me, and I thought, this is, that's the first time I thought, wow, Sparks on a page, you know, without any music. I thought that was a real, that, that, that's, the thing, that's the one thing that clicked my 
my head to do actual Sparks book. Yeah. And uh, so that's why I did the Sparks lyrics book. Just that's to great. expose their literary side and where, where people are not forced to, but at least have to look at their words beyond just the music and stuff like so that. So now you have to start doing bilingual editions for people who are trying to learn English as a second language. Well, that's a good idea. I, you know, my original plan, uh, another plan for Serge, uh, for Tam Tam Books was to do uh, lyrics of Serge Gainsbourg. Yes, I wanted to ask you about that. Now that's a person I would love to see. A, that was t- such is a... Is t- there a French... First? Yes, there is, okay. and, and there, in French there's a so quite. So you just wanted to translate the. Yeah, I can't do everyone, but like this, yeah. the budget wise, but I just want to do a big chunk of you know yeah. his of his work, like the Sparks. Yeah. Um, but the translation would have been like really, really difficult, and it's argumentative for a lot of people who speak French and who listen to Serge Gainsbourg. They argue all the time about the meaning of the songs or how right. even with Boris Beyond who I translate. Yeah. There's you know, so many people argue about how this phrase Well, there's so much wordplay and yeah. you know, it's it's impossible to do a really real I mean I shouldn't say it's it's not impossible, but it's an extremely difficult task when you're dealing with so much wordplay and you know, double meaning and it's how do you translate that kind of stuff? I don't know. And same you with, have to have a lot of annotation, I think, on translation. Or how do you like translate that. something like Scott Walker, who writes the most, you know, abstract, yeah. you know, one of a kind type of phrases that comes up out of him, or the wordplay of Cole Porter? You know, yeah. it's like uh, I, I think it'll be very difficult. So Serge Gainsbourg was a very, and also it would have been a very expensive project because it was dealing with song, you know, like pop song music publishers. Oh, yeah. So getting permission <laughs> to do that. It was adulting, um, a difficult, daunting, yeah. yeah. So I had to, I had to drop it. That's too bad. I think somebody will do it though, eventually. Yeah, that's such an obvious lyric book. And I was thinking of some other ones. You know, I was surprised. I mentioned to you just a little while ago that I was looking and I couldn't find any David Bowie lyric books, and that seems mm-hmm. so obvious to me that that there would be a huge market for that. Yeah, I don't know one of. I, I as well. I don't know of yeah. one existing, and I'm not sure. And you know, somewhere in, in the English world, it may exist, but I have not seen it. I I googled it. I couldn't find any. I mean, I would think it would have shown up, uh-huh. even if it was out of print. Something would have shown up in a Google search. So, and I was surprised by that because that seemed pretty obvious. And he's a good writer as well. Yeah, he's a very good writer. He definitely takes great care in uh, in lyric writing and thinks about the process and Absolutely, everything. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good question. I don't know why. You know, sometimes a, a music artist doesn't want to separate their words from the, from yeah, the music or present it that that's, way. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, it could be. Um, another person that I um, was surprised I couldn't find a lyric book was Elvis Costello. Because uh, he's such a word person, too. Yeah. And I thought, oh, there must be a lyric book for him. But I couldn't find one. Huh. It's, you know, like I said, it's possible that they exist and I just didn't see them. But... Yeah, I've been, yeah, I don't recall ever seeing one either. Yeah. And then another person I was looking for... Not as well known, but super word oriented mm-hmm. is uh, Robert Wyatt. I thought, oh, I'd love to have a Robert Wyatt book. Ah, uh, you know, that might be kind of difficult. Well, not difficult doing a book, but difficult because he sometimes he writes songs with other people. His wife, whose name I can't remember right now. Yeah. But his wife, um, I think maybe had did a lot of the songwriting or the lyrics, possibly. Yeah. There's a handful of Wyatt songs, but I don't think there's like a great. There's many Robert Wyatt records, but not a huge... Um, oh, you don't think he's written most of those songs himself? No. I didn't know that. But how about Patti Smith? Oh, yeah, that's another good one. 
I mean, she has books of poetry, but I don't know if her lyrics have been... Um... I don't know either. Yeah. And she's very performative. Yeah. You know, works. Like, I don't know if anything on horses ever reached the page, like a poetry page. Yeah, I didn't look her up, but that would be one that you'd think would be a big seller. Again. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many people that it's, you know, they're so word-oriented, and you're, you, you know, it's like fun to... Mm-hmm. It's such a different experience to just read the lyric without the music, if you can try to get the music out of your head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Anyway, you want me to read something. Yes, I, I did. Now, I've known Tosh for a very long time. He used to have a career as a poet. <laughs> <laughs> he still are, does. Are, are, you talking about, are you talking about the book, The Plum in Mr. Blum's Pudding? I am. Sold at every bookstore? Yes. And he used to do a lot of poetry readings, which I always attended without fail. And he inevitably would also, besides his own poems, would read something by Cole Porter or Ira Gershwin. So I asked Tosh to prepare something for this show. Do you have a specific um, Cole Porter you want me to do? Oh, um, I don't know. I'm trying to remember feel what free, you Feel used. free to ask. Yeah, You're the Top was a good one. Which Oh, one of the things I love about the Cole Porter lyric book is there are alternative lyrics that were too naughty. <laughs> Cole Porter was a naughty person. He was a very naughty boy. And some of those alternative lyrics are hysterical. Okay, do you have a request? Um, well, You're the Top is a good one. Um, I'm not going to do that one. No. What What are some of the other ones you used to do? I'm trying to remember what you used I'm gonna to do. Uh, yeah, you for, were, I'm going to do Love, love for, for Sale. Love for Sale, that's a good one. Do that one. <clears throat> love for Sale by Cole Porter as read by Tosh Berman. Kimley listening. (laughs) When the only sound in the empty street is the heavy tread of the heavy feet that belong to a lonesome cop, I open shop when the moon so long has been gazing down on the wayward ways of the wayward town that her smile becomes a smirk, I go to work. Love for sale, Appetizing young love for sale. Love that's fresh and still unspoiled. Love that's only slightly soiled. Soiled, excuse me. Love for sale. Who will buy? Who would like to sample my supply? Who's prepared to pay the price for a trip to paradise? Love for sale. Let the poets pipe of love in their childish way. I know every type of love better far than they. If you want the thrill of love, I've been through the mill of love. Old love, new love, every love but true love. Love for sale, appetizing young love for sale. If you want to buy my wares, follow me and climb the stairs. Love for sale. Wonderful, Tosh. (laughs) Now what I find fascinating, to get love, you have to go on the second floor. Ah, yeah, we got to put a little effort into it. <laughs> you never just walk in or have that love right there, that moment. No. You have to go somewhere else, usually in the second floor somewhere. Yes, there's teasers on the first floor, but you don't get the actual love no. until you climb the stairs. And <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's a great lyric to me because it's such a, um, it's not the content as much as the, um, <clears throat> I guess it's a visual picture. Yeah. Yeah, I almost feel the weather. And the fact that it's an oral, you know, I mean, it's in a, a town that's, um, 
the wrong side of the tracks, perhaps, you know, sort of a, a bad neighborhood. Right. Well, it's playful, and at the same time, there's a pathos to it, you know. It's mm-hmm. just, um, obviously, nobody wants to think they have to buy love. <laughs> it, it's best to buy love. It's good to know that you can. <laughs> Sometimes there's a discount day for love. <laughs> discount day? <laughs> yeah. Can you get a coupon? Yeah, you can get it. Yeah, you, quit, yeah, you, have, to, you have to chip it out of the thing. <laughs> so anyway, um, so the books, I rec- recommend the Favor and Favor edition. Yeah. Um, they don't have to have, a, I thought it would be a, a name series like Favor and Favors, you know, lyrics. Series, yeah, but they don't have I was series. trying to look to see who else was on the Favor and Favor series, and I was looking on their website, and they didn't even have like a category for it. It was T.S. Eliot's uh, main publisher, oh, English publisher. Oh. So, yeah, so pick up from the Favor and Favor, definitely pick yeah. up from the Cole Porter and of course, pick up um, the Sparks lyric book in yeah. the words of Sparks. It's very essential. <laughs> On Tam Tam Books. On Tam Tam Books. <laughs> and we will uh, see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, oh, and uh, ah. just so you know, uh-huh. um, definitely join us for the next episode where we're going to be discussing Ennio Morricone. Ennio Morricone. <laughs> I'm part Italian, so I have to try to pronounce it correctly. Morricone. My Italian is not great. But, um, yeah, so that's what we're going to be reading in our next episode. And definitely check us out on Facebook and check out our website, bookmusic.com, B-O-O-K-M-U-S-I-K.com. We had to use the K because book music with a C was already taken. (laughs) I wonder by who. Somebody who's not even using it. I know. That's so annoying. That's okay. Ours is better. Yes. Okay. So, yes, come and follow us and join us. We'll have lots of extras, and we will have playlists for every episode on Spotify and on Apple Music, and you can find links to everything on our website. So thanks for listening to Book Music. Bye-bye.